Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game, and he will also kiss his son passionately on the mouth. This, book, this ad read was given to us. I had to punch it up a little bit. Every week on our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We are almost halfway through the NFL season. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. And I'm doing this secretly at work, by the way. And somebody just walked by. So just wait for that. Okay, we're good. My bookie is the premier place to put bets on all your favorite pro and college football teams every single weekend. They have up-to-date lines and they have the most prop bets of any sport book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet. And when they all come through, the rewards will be sweet and gigantic. Are you tired of watching the games from the couch try out for the team if you can't make the team my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game you can bet on it if you join right now my bookie will double your first deposit that's right put in a thousand bucks they'll give you it's supposed it should say <laughs> two thousand well they'll give you a thousand i guess that makes sense at that point uh they'll double your initial deposit so you can use on all your favorite picks use the promo code chair to activate the offer that's promo code c-h-a-i-r to double your cash visit mybookie.ag online today you play you win you get paid tensing your body prior to the contest knowing the history of playing down to the competition and your supposition would have been prescient as the deity of misfortune made its predictable and inevitable appearance suppressing the offensive production and emasculating the defensive bulwark Mm. slowly providentially the gears reversed and the engine righted its course the black and gold vanquishing an opponent heretofore overlooked but eventually earning a modicum of respect for its pluck and resolve. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's October 29th, 2019. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, and we are both doing this now secretly at work because we have yet another nighttime game for which we stayed up past midnight, at least I did, wound up to the max because of it really didn't need to be a stressful game, but it was. Well, it's a game that Pittsburgh's playing against the bad teams. So you know it's going to be stressful. First yeah. thing, get this out of the way real quick. Yes, we're back on pirate radio, people. So is the price you pay for watching the greatest organization on all of sports, the glorious and magnificent Pittsburgh Steelers. We get a lot of night games. Question for you, though, real quick, Dad. I forgot to ask you this right before we started, and we're trying to roll through this. Uh, 
does this microphone sound okay to you or is it real uh, crackly? Sounds good. It sounds okay. Okay. So yeah. let's move on. Um, that means sounds good for pirate radio, right? Yeah. So like you said, didn't have to be that difficult, but of course it did. Steelers coming out of a bye against a team that is intentionally losing. Is their coach intentionally losing? No. Although some might debate that we'll get into more of that later. Are their players intentionally losing? No, that doesn't benefit them, but the front office most certainly is the tanking dolphins actually literally traded their starting running back, or at least their best running back the day of the game, uh, Kenyon Drake going to the Cardinals. So didn't have to be that close, but it really comes down to one main thing. Well, a couple things, but the one main thing is this tale of two halves for Mason Rudolph, who was about as abysmal as you can possibly be in the first half and really rebounded to have a nice second half. I mean, he threw a pick, in in the Steelers, like the Steelers' thirty yard line on the first drive of the game, giving the Dolphins some free points and some much needed momentum. The Dolphins were incredibly excited to realize that they were winning a game. I don't think that they've been winning a game by fourteen points the entire year, so they were very into it before the Steelers were able to turn it around and squash them like the poor pie they are. Yeah, I guess we can play armchair neurologist and attribute to that that weak start. I mean, it was. It was an abysmal start for uh, for Mason. I mean, he was just so wobbly. Yeah. And I also was nervous all night, at least in a couple of games prior to this. He, he did move in the pocket last night. Thank goodness for this offensive line, because he just was a swarm and people went around him because he wasn't moving anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I don't know if they still are holding that record, but going into that game, ironically, the Steelers had broke their own record for least amount of sacks through that many games in the season. So you're right. They've been doing a great job and we can get more into Mason Rudolph's performance in a little bit here. There's definitely a lot to talk about as far as that's concerned, but some other big, you know, reasons for the Steelers slow start is maybe one of the worst defensive plays I've seen of the entire year. I mean, I would vote the worst defensive play for the Steelers for this year so far when I don't even remember who the receiver was. It's kind of a journeyman, but he, he's a 190 pound receiver who caught a ball on about the eight yard line and broke oh, right. three Steelers tackles who all had him in bear hugs and basically bounced off him. First, it was Devin Bush missing yet another open field tackle. Uh, kind of marring this really nice rookie year he's having is that open field, pesky open field tackling. Then Mark Barron, who I cannot see being in Pittsburgh after this year with this failed experiment, basically chest bumps the guy. And Steven Nelson, you could say he tried to strip it from the receiver instead of tackling him, but he he, you, he didn't even do that. He just patted the ball. Yeah, you, <laughs> you could say, say that. that. You'd be wrong. And so <laughs> on that touchdown, I'd say, well, the slow start isn't entirely up um, isn't entirely Mason Rudolph's fault. I do think you have to put some of the blame on coach Tomlin for yet again, not having a team ready to play against an inferior opponent. Cause that to me was 100% effort. And yeah, it's the guys on the field, of course, but it's, it's three of them. It's, there just wasn't a, a feeling of urgency when that game started. And it's just happened too many. I'm not blaming all the, lack of success on Tomlin, but it's just happened too many times over a decade for me to not say, Oh, well it's happened again. And the players have changed, but the result is still the same. What's the common denominator here. Ben's not sure. Isn't playing. He's not playing defense. So you can't use that as an excuse. So it wasn't all on Mason, but of course Mason made it difficult. Well, 
I mean, isn't it the same all over the NFL? Look at what James Conner is able to do week after week. I mean, they don't wrap up and tackle on the NFL. They slam into the guy and try to bring him down. Either depends on what part of their body they slam into. Well, they didn't I mean, slam how, on that you, guy. Well, they glanced. There so maybe they should have slammed more. But no, he got he got actually he got hit and he just sort of rolled. I mean that 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 is just endemic to to the NFL. I mean it's frustrating. But what is a coach? You think they're teaching to glance rather than slam? No, I mean, I, so again, I, there's no wrapping up unless you're you're, ta- you're sacking a quarterback. I agree, but a 190 pound receiver breaking three tackles in a five yard span is not indicative of the bad tackling in the NFL. In my in my opinion, I mean, usually one of those guys is going to get him down. It just seems like a lack of focus. Like, oh, it's the Dolphins; We're, they're not going to score if we, and then we'll score more than them anyways. And I mean, it's not just that one play. The Dolphins went all the way down the field on them. But do you, uh, do you think there was a lack of focus on the Steelers' part? Do you think the Steelers played down? Yeah, you're down 14-0 to the worst team in the last decade at home under the lights where you've literally never lost with Tomlin on Monday night. Luckily, they saved that, and they just came out a little bit flat. And and maybe not. Maybe it is just a couple plays here or there. I mean, the Rudolph pick is huge. So remember the interview that Tomlin gave this week where he was – and he was asked, how do you make sure you are up for a game after a bye week? And he said, you, I think uh, this, I'm paraphrasing, you, you take some calculated risks. And did you see any, in all facets of the game, offense, defense, and, and special teams? I'm not sure I saw any, first of all, definitely not on offense. I mean, they played super conservatively. Oh, no, I take it back. Well, I mean, yeah, Mason I Rudolph that. was going, no, no, I, I, I take that back. Because if you look at the next-gen stats for Mason, I mean, he was going downtown a lot. So, Okay, I take that back. On defense, I didn't see much risk taking. And, you know, what can you say about special teams? We did an onside kick, which is what I was hoping to see. But what did they do to wake up? What what did he do, if anything, to wake the team up from the beginning of the game? Well, he's did not the guy to ask. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to do it. We've seen, we've seen, he doesn't know how to get the team up for bad teams, but they have done well. I don't remember what his record is out of the bye. I think it was like the, he lost three in a row. Then he won two in a row, but they definitely do better after the bye. Uh, and you know, unless you count last year was the first time where they fell apart, but either way, I think, they, they corrected it by the end of the game and, and they outclassed the dolphins like they should have. They're not like, well, I was going to say some people are saying they're not that much more talented than the dolphins. That's just patently false. They are, they're much more talented than the dolphins than the dolphins are even without Ben. And by the end of the game, they showed it by scoring 27 unanswered points and that righted the ship. And honestly, just, you know, Mason throwing the pick in his own zone is a big reason for, yeah, you, you spotted them some points, but let's move on here with some of the other big stories that we had along there. James Connor, Huge game. I think that's his first 100-yard game of the season. And as we've seen, when he has had the opportunity to not be tackled by three guys the instant he touches the ball, he makes plays and he breaks tackles. His touchdown run, beautiful. That was indicative of that. Smashed through two guys and dove into the end zone, made the play. Obviously, in this game, he had way more running room than he had in any prior games. The Steelers line and tight ends were actually pushing these guys all over the place. Rosie Nix was back in the game and he had, he had a huge first play where he blew up in a hole for James Conner. But other than that, he actually wasn't super effective. Uh, but it's his first game back, but I'd say James Conner 
I mean, again, more on him later, AC joint injury, but James Conner was another big reason and the line and the push uh, that showed the Steelers were just, they're in a different class than a tanking team that doesn't have as much talent. Uh, can we, if we're highlighting highlights, two, two players who got over a hundred yards, Connor had 145 yards rushing and Juju Smith Schuster, yep. 103 yards receiving. He was amazing. I mean, I, I yeah, the catch, the t- right? Yeah. Sorry. The, the touchdown catch unbelievable. was unbelievable. And actually it's kind of a, I mean, it, he makes it look easy. Cause I was going to say, yeah. that's actually a good strategy. <laughs> He's just throwing it short into the back helmet of the back of the helmet of the, of the DB, but obviously a little hard to catch the ball off a guy's helmet. <laughs> right. He mossed him. That's the Randy Moss. When you reach over a guy's head and catch it, Plexico Burris had a couple of those back in the day, but yeah, it was like a writing of the ship. It was, it was nice to see Juju and, and James get off. And we've pointed out, you know, no offense to Mason or duck. This is the, again, what is this? His fourth start for Mason and duck made one start. They're in the infancy of their quarterbacking careers. And this isn't indicative how good or bad either one of them will be throughout their careers, but they're babies. They're new. They're incredibly limited in what they can do. And obviously we saw Mason throw the ball over the field uh, last night more than we had uh, previously, but we've pointed out Juju and James, they haven't even had the opportunity to make plays Whether Connor was getting the ball and getting sworn by three people because of a lack of run blocking and because of defenses knowing there's no threat of a, any intermediate or deep passing. Like there's no chance to success. He would finally get a couple lanes to run in. Yep. It's been against really bad teams like Cincinnati and Los Angeles and Miami, but when he gets the holes, he's not just running untouched. He's breaking tackles and Juju as well. When you get the ball to him in space, he's catching the ball over people's heads. He's breaking tackles to take a a 20 yard touchdown catch into a 50 yard touchdown catch and run. And those guys to me are as advertised. They're the same playmakers. They were last year when Ben Roethlisberger was in and Antonio Brown was taking attention off of other people. And I think that, you know, Juju, he has made enough plays this year to make me still think this guy's a number one receiver. He's not a Deandre Hopkins or Brown or Odell or something like that, but he really shows like he just has a knack for making incredible plays. And it was nice to see them be able to get off like that. Even if it took a crappy team like the dolphins to give them the opportunity. Well, I'm going to be optimistic and say, maybe the, maybe the strategy was, Hey, we are playing the dolphins. This is the time to let uh, Mason get used to the water. And I'm I'm looking at this next gen 20% of his passes were over 20 yards. Oh yeah. He was was (laughs) incredibly uh, all of, all of which are inaccurate, but uh, except for one, (laughs) he made one of those, one of those was, was caught, but the fact he was even making them and getting used to the tempo and the rhythm and getting back into the game, I think, okay, maybe that was the risk. Yeah. To wake up the team. And I agree. That's the time to do it. Another big reason for the Steelers victory, of course, as usual, is I think he's one and nine against the Steelers now, which is outrageous that they've even played that many times. But granted, he has played for a third of the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick giving the Steelers the ball three times doesn't hurt. And two of those times being taken away from recent former Miami Dolphin, Minka Fitzpatrick, who I think we can agree. I get the 
like the hesitation and the, and the trepidation on the part of Steelers fans in regards of trading a first round pick away to get Minka Fitzpatrick when Ben is obviously in the twilight of his career. And this probably is, it, it could legitimately be the best draft spot you've had since you got Ben. Uh, and, and you might be passing up on an opportunity to get a quarterback. I get that, but this dude is worth a first round pick Minka Fitzpatrick. I know neither interception was like mind blowing. You know, one was off of a tipped pass and the other one was an overthrow to kind of nowhere where Fitzpatrick threw it. But the guy has like four interceptions in six games and the Steelers for pretty much a decade could not buy an interception if their life depended on it. And this guy gets on the team and they're getting them left and right. And he's a big part of that. He was awesome. And both Fitzpatrick's were awesome. Ryan and Minka for the Steelers. It's hard to hate Patrick. It's hard to hate uh, Fitzpatrick. Either one. Oh yeah. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is legitimately a top 10 favorite quarterback of all time for me. I was telling you during the game, like at the very top is obviously the black and gold is obviously the greatest player in the history of all organized sports, Ben Roethlisberger and the Rogers and the Favs and the other gunslingers of the world hall of fame guys. But then towards the bottom of the list, I got Eli Manning for, you know, serving the American public and beating the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. Nick Foles, same reason with one Super Bowl win and Ryan Fitzpatrick, because he's just the most, first off, he's just a cool dude. He's got that. He's got the beard. He now has the beer belly and the cake belly. Remember over the off season, he said, uh, I don't know if that was last year, but the reason why he gained all that weight was because he's got nine kids, which is pretty much the amount of teams he's played for in the NFL and they have a lot of birthdays. We had a lot of cake over the off season and he's just constantly smiling and he's out there slinging it. And he's, he's better than a backup quarterback, but he's not as good as like a franchise quarterback. So he's always entertaining to watch. And I love Fitzpatrick and I'm sure it doesn't hurt that uh, we've gotten quite a few wins off of him and including making the playoffs a few years ago when he absolutely blew a game for the jets against the dolphins. So he kind of got us a win there too. Well, he is the, he is one of three NFL players who have a three XL chin strap, be able to fit that helmet and that uh, beard underneath. And and I'm looking, um, I'm looking at the side, I did this last night. We were talking, you do feel bad. I mean, what's his nickname? Fitz magic. Yeah. When it happens, tragic sometimes (laughs) he has nobody, no tears should be shed as he has made $63 million over the course of his career. And he deserves it. I'm sorry. This man is literally getting assaulted on a weekly basis playing for the Miami Dolphins. You got to pay him. Well, do you think uh, like he, he's just sort of the old man on the team and he, he adds any kind of leavening to the chaos in Miami because yeah, who he's awesome. can even walk out of the tunnel? I mean, everybody's getting paid, of course, but these guys are thinking anywhere but this team. And he's still kind of, He's smiling. He was smiling most of the game because I get paid for doing this. All right. Well, some people get paid and like Brock Osweiler, he just retired. He couldn't take it. So Fitzpatrick's made of some other magic. And that kind of leads nicely into the next point I wanted to make, which is, yeah, the dolphins are tanking and uh, the NFL Twitter sphere and, and television shows are on full conspiracy watch here. And I don't, I wouldn't say this is a total conspiracy, but I also wouldn't say it would like it's out of the question, but the big turning point of the game was one of the last plays of of the first half, the Steelers, what were they third and 20 at like the 30 or like like the 45 yard line, the 40 yard line or something like that. And 
Brian Flores, before the the coach for the Dolphins, Patriots defensive coordinator, by the way, you know, who have owned the Steelers over the year and over the years. And, you know, you're part of the Patriots organization. So you're known as generally a pretty smart guy. He calls a timeout before the third and 20 play. And when they come out of the timeout, it seems that he dialed up an all out blitz where he blitzed every single player except for three. And I was telling you before that play started, I said, Hey, they're going to play soft. I just want the Steelers to throw a slant and get 10 yards to make this a makeable field goal. And they did throw a slant 10 yards to Deontay Johnson, who now at this point had three lead blocker wide receivers ahead of him to block three dolphins. And he makes a really nice move in the open field, by the way. They need to put him on punt return now and kick return. I have no idea what they're doing. If Tomlin doesn't want to play him because he's a rookie, it's like, well, this is the perfect, whether you like it or not, it's a throwaway season. You can still do well in this season, but you're not winning the Super Bowl. Put him back there and then make him an experienced kick returner, right? This is the perfect opportunity. But anyways, he makes the guy miss on the goal line, which is nice. James Washington throws a monster Heinz Ward block and he scores a touchdown. And it really, it, it is a bit of a suspicious defensive call. Because why would you call an all-out blitz in that situation? It almost you're only leaving three guys back there to defend. It, it was definitely a huge turning point in the game. Sorry, you just froze there for about 20 seconds. So, uh, so you were just finishing up the story about the uh, crossing pattern with at three and twenty. Yeah, I, I would just say that. It's Here's a suspicious one. call. It's a weird call. Now, like I said, Brian Flores is not trying to lose. I don't know if like, so it would have taken the GM or the president to call him and basically at fired gunpoint say, you need to blitz everybody here. You know, and I don't know if they were going that far for tanking, especially when you consider if the, if the dolphins beat the Steelers, that's good for them because they had the Steelers first round pick. So you want the Steelers first round pick to be higher. And then the dolphins still play the Bengals later in the year, who are their main competition for the first round pick for the first overall pick and you can lose to them intentionally. So anyways, it just, uh, it was suspicious. I don't think it was conspiracy, uh, but I am amazed that he had such a, a brain fart because that was really the turning point in the game for the Steelers scoring that touchdown. Do you think Steven Ross, the owner of the dolphins uh, actually has the money who had the green dot last night for the dolphins defense? I don't know. Probably like a part-time garbage man. <laughs> <laughs> Because Ross may have been telling the guy on the field or right. on the floor is what was supposed to happen. Because that looked like here that looked like a silver platter out there. It did, uh, yeah. So, but either way, the Steelers got the victory. It's not, you know, we'll take them wherever we can get them. You need. I, I just want the Steelers to get like six to eight wins would be a dream over this season, and I don't think that's necessarily a shameful type of thing. You're just being realistic, and we'll take the victory against Miami. Of course, it goes without saying that the Steelers spot any other team in the league besides you know the Bengals and the Falcons or the Redskins, these other basement dwellers. If you spot a team fourteen they're probably not going to win that game. So was it sloppier than it needed to be? Yes. But I don't think any, I don't think this rings true in, in any other season, maybe more than this one style points are totally unnecessary. We just want to see them get wins on the board and build. And we're seeing things like players like Deontay Johnson 
who looks like he could be a legitimate big time contributor by next year when Ben gets back. We're seeing Juju continue his ascent and to stardom. TJ Watt was an he's an absolute monster. He's becoming one of the best defensive players in the league. Had another strip sack. I think that's three forced fumbles for him and six sacks on the season already. And he's just playing in fast motion compared to everyone else in regular motion, not to mention that. So I know they probably want to come back on any other team, but it wasn't any other team and we'll take the win. And it is remarkable that even though, you know, my, my passion for the Steelers will never diminish, but living and dying with them is not the same this year, knowing that you're kind of out of Super Bowl contention, but it doesn't change the fact that today is it's an awesome day because the Steelers won and you can't even control that. So I don't care who it was against. I love it. And there was good highlights. You know, yeah, there were a lot of great plays, and I am I too am not worried about style points. I mean, there was enough exciting play to make the game interesting for at least uh, post the first quarter. The, the The concern is you're extrapolating this performance to the next game, right. and you're just wondering like, how in the world are they going to beat you know name your opponent? Yeah, yeah. In the- that, that's more games. what I'm worried about. And sure, you know, of there, course, there, for sure, there's something to matching up to your opponent and, and your shifting strategy. But I think that for me personally, that's what's going on. Not, I'm not. Yeah, I don't care how much we win by, although we missed the spread. Thank you for a point and a half that we could have had. Damn but it. you pointed to, to TJ what and another sleeping giant was awoken as he emerged from the primordial ooze with the seaweed stringing on his biceps Cam Hayward. That's right. <laughs> who, who Booger McFarland said on TV, he's not a big sack guy, but he got a sack during the game. And Cam Hayward took some offense to that, basically reposting it on Twitter today. Of course, you know, he's, I think, 13th in sacks in the entire NFL over like the last three or four years. So there's Booger McFarland again, being <laughs> Booger McFarland and not having any idea what's going on. By the way, I stand by what I said during the broadcast to you last night about Booger McFarland. I mean, what do you expect when you hire a guy named Booger? It's, it's one of two things. He's either going to be the greatest announcer on television or the worst with a name like Booger. And he's not the greatest. So, you know, I'll just say again, my, my only disappointment about last night is that it was a good bet. We never bet against the Steelers, no matter what the spread, but we did miss a victory by a point and a half. We never bet against them and we always bet on them. And when we bet on them, we bet at my bookie because as a football fan, you know, two things are certain. The Steelers are the greatest and the Steelers are the best. We're almost halfway through the NFL season. Well, we're, we are halfway through the NFL season basically. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game, put some scoots on it, get some scratch down on my bookie. You can do prop bets. You can do parlays where you can bet a bunch of winners together. I personally will bet a bunch of losers together. I'm pretty sure Washington, Washington and Atlanta and Cincinnati, who, by the way, just benched Andy Dalton for the rookie Ryan Finley. Yep. The era is done. I'm going to go ahead and string those together as losers. And that might sound negative, but it's going to be positive for my bank account because I bet with my bookie, you can use their mobile online interface. It's super slick. And the best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand bucks, they will give you a thousand bucks. That's double your initial deposit. You can use on all your favorite picks. So use the promo code chair. This helps us out by the way, you guys. This where we are actually quitting our jobs to live on the side of the street and podcast every day. If this, my bookie stuff goes well. So use that promo code 
chair, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You know, it's funny when I hit 50, it dawned on me. You needed more, to, more than taking showers to maintain your, your physical hygiene. And I always had this, this recollection of being in church around old people and they had that old person smell. Yeah. And I swore I never would I have that old man smell. So I, I picked up my game. But I recently learned that there is an aspect of personal hygiene of which I was unfamiliar. That's right. And that's manscaping. But lucky for you guys, there's a company to help us all out. Manscaped. Support for Armchair Sports Network, the greatest sports network in the world, comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And precision is key when it comes to the jewel box because we know there's a thin line between pleasure and disaster. But my manscape, my manscape does a good job in making sure that not only are you safe, but you don't have to worry about that old man smell. You gotta be a well-kempt gentleman here. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving this along, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. It just uh oh do not read this part of the copy. I'm gonna read it. Because this is pretty good. Host to talk about a time when he's hurt his balls while manscaping a funny manscaping story. Well, listen, insert your own because we've all been there and it happens once a year, but not with my manscaping because they've got precision tools. And don't, don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on the jewels. Okay, this should be obvious, you guys, but you'd be surprised at how many guys do it. This stuff actually is awesome and it really does prevent these issues. Don't be a Neanderthal. Uh, be open to the idea of women liking you and con- continuing to like you and just yourself. You don't want to be a smelly old person in the pew at church or the chair at work or anything like that. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair. This one's the full armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use that code armchair. So we don't end up as hobos. Should I extrapolate that admonition not to use the trimmer in both areas to the blow dryer? I think you should extrapolate because there's a whole different set of dangers when it comes to that right now. Hey, and as usual, we're going to talk about Boswell. There was a little, a little, a little crack in the armor, which I think you and I agreed is sort of like a small crack to allow a little bit of magma to come through so that there's not a whole lot of buildup of pressure. And, Boswell's miss was from 54 yards, you know, be great if it had hit hit that, but you know, kind of understandable. Otherwise he was what one for one and hit all the extra points, which was huge. So yeah, I want to keep track of that. Um, The other thing in special teams, I noticed I think Jordan Berry had to come down to make a flailing attempt at a tackle. I hate it when our punters and kickers try to tackle, but yeah, at least he got them down. I just have memories of Sean Swisham. Yeah. Well, okay. That's the, those are kind of the ancillary guys. You cover that. You're right. I I like that. They let Boswell uh, uh, attempt the 54 yard field goal. I know some people thought that we should have punted and pinned them back in their own territory, but I kind of thought, Hey, this is a good opportunity to create a win-win for yourself. Boswell was perfect on the year until the dolphins game. And if he nails a 54 yarder, I think that's going to take the confidence even higher because while he's been perfect, he hasn't had to make any pressure kicks and he hasn't 
I don't think he's made any over 50 or definitely not any at 54. But so if he makes that, it's a great confidence builder. And if he misses it, which he did by just barely, it was plenty long. It just went uh, slightly to the side. If he misses it, well, then it's a 54 yarder, you know, no big deal. Like people miss those. Those aren't automatic. So it was a win-win. I'll take that. Let's get into Mason Rudolph. So I had some thoughts. I put them out on Twitter um, on what I thought of his performance. Uh, Number one is he did a phenomenal job bouncing back from a truly horrific start. I mean, he was like one for six with an interception, 23 yards, and another interception that was dropped. It wasn't actually dropped. The guy's toe, like basically the guy's toenail landed on the out-of-bounds line. So he really was more like one for six with two interceptions. And he was just brutal. He just... He couldn't move his feet in the pockets. He couldn't throw the ball with any velocity at all. More on that later. And he just looked about as bad as you can get. Deer in the headlights, playing under the lights, coming back from a concussion. Worst case scenario. And then he totally bounced back from it, taking aggressive shot after aggressive shot downfield. So I think that says a lot about his constitution. And it kind of matches up with the way that he gives press conference. He seems like a self-assured guy and a self-aware guy. And Heinz Field was raining the booze down upon him. And sorry, dude, you deserved it. He said after the game that I would have booed me too. And again, I'm like, huh, I like the self-awareness on, on this guy. But you're putting the most disgusting performance uh, out against, like, maybe a historically bad team in, in the Dolphins. And, and the Bengals may have something to say about that as well. But either way, great job bouncing back. I liked how aggressive he was downfield. I guess Feetner and him were serious about saying we're going to be more aggressive downfield. It was almost comical watching what they did, like – like every pass is a 40 yard go route. It looked so similar to his tape at Oklahoma state where they throw downtown pretty much nonstop. And uh, the difference is usually at Oklahoma state, people are just wide ass open. And he found out last night that that's not exactly the case in the NFL. Okay. So that's the positive. Let me move into the other stuff. I saw a lot of tweets last night and this morning saying that Mason quote unquote has the arm strength to make every throw. And I just wonder if people know what they're looking at because arm strength is a major concern for Mason Rudolph. And it's pretty much the reason why I don't think that he can be a high end starting NFL quarterback. Every throw is a lollipop. Okay. And don't mistake throwing far, which which by the way, he doesn't throw that far either. He throws with timing, but he's not throwing like 80 yard bombs. Like don't confuse throwing far with arm strength. You need to have some velocity and he does not have it. And especially if he doesn't have, even throughout the course of the game, when he bounced back, if he doesn't have absolutely perfect, like pocket conditions where he is able to step completely into his throw, it looks like a lob ball every time he throws it. And this isn't surprising. This is who he was at Oklahoma state. This is who he is in the preseason. This is who he is in the prior games. He also is a guy who throws a nice deep ball. He does throw a nice deep ball. It's got really great touch. He lobs it in just the right way. Obviously he was very inaccurate on the deep ball versus the dolphins. The one nice one he had was the one that got called for the 
BS pass inter- offensive pass interference on Deontay Johnson. But even the touchdown pass to Juju, it wasn't a horrible pass, but it wasn't a good one either. It was behind him. He had to pluck it off the defender's head. And luckily that's like an AAF backup cornerback that he was playing against. But so the, the arm strength is a major concern for me, especially the fact that like anytime he doesn't have super ideal pocket conditions, it breaks down and literally every pass he throws when the pocket breaks down is at risk of being picked off. Now, I think that that will improve with some more anticipation, like the more experience he gets, he's going to just know to throw the ball too quicker and you won't see as many of those, but that's not going to really improve the arm strength. You kind of have what you have. So that that's big for me. The last things I had kind of written down here is yeah, not that that's basically the thing for me. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't move terribly, but he doesn't move well. And you guys got to remember like, yeah, Dan Marino and and uh, Peyton Manning to an extent, and Tom Brady and Drew Brees—they move well in the pockets. But those guys have some real arms, and and Brees the the least of all of them. But he's obviously an outlier. The new NFL, everybody can move around a little bit. So he really—I know he might technically move to the left or right, but he doesn't do it quickly. He doesn't do it athletically, and then he's not able to make throws from off-platform positions. So. We're going to be watching that, you know, for the rest of the year. Hopefully he can get by on making some better, quicker decision-making and then throwing and just improving on those deep balls. Cause he does have a nice touch on those. But as far as is him as a starting quarterback, we need the rest of the season. It's way too early, but those are things that just don't improve. And he doesn't have anything to me outside of his personality, which I think is actually a real strength for him, his mindset. He doesn't have anything that's even remotely elite movement, arm angles, velocity, running, nothing really. He's quite handsome. It looks good out there. Hey, and so I'm not I saying notice, he's going to suck. I'm not saying no. he's going to suck, but so you know, I, I, I agree. What was ner- was sort of nerve wracking is that he threw up that back foot so much. And I don't know, you know, who knows whether that's a function of him just, not having, not being in rhythm, uh, still maybe a little gun shy that did improve over time, but the whole first half he was throwing off the back foot. And the other problem was, I, I agree as a nice long ball touch inaccurate as he was, the thing that really bugged me is how far behind his receivers across the middle he was throwing. Yeah. And that might save you from killing a guy, but I mean, <laughs> he has, he has to put that on the right spot. Cause there is no window. There's no leading the receiver. You've got to hit him. Well, there's leading him, but I mean, you you have a very small window, and you've got a rock of the ball in there. And I, I agree, I haven't seen an explosion. Uh, he has no cannon with regard to coming, you know, sort of those intermediary passes across the middle. Yeah, he had one nice one to Juju, but he had about five that should have yeah. been returned for a touchdown because yeah, there are a lot I, of pops and they're behind the guy. I mean, he's he's in the NFL. He he can do it, but it's it's right. It's very inconsistent, and and obviously a lot didn't of people can do that. There's high school guys who can make the throw he made to Juju, you know. Um, so I just wanted to say that before anyone jumps on us, like, what about the one pass to Juju? Yeah, he did have that. Now tell me about the four that should have been picked off. All right. So, so what yeah. well, can I just turn this to a, a critique you sort of alluded to earlier, James Connor sure. last play was his last play because uh, apparently he has an AC joint injury, a shoulder injury. Yep. And uh, I don't know how many gained on that last one, but damn, we're up by up by 13 and we needed to keep him in the game. That, that, this has happened before. And I understand that Benny Snell was out. Was uh, Jalen Samuels is out. And, but I, believe Trey Edmonds was dressed and all you really had to do. I mean, 
nurse a 13 point lead. And yeah. it, it didn't appear that the Steelers were in any danger of the Dolphins mounting a comeback. I agree. And, and, and I would have to confirm that. I assume Edmonds was dressed, right? Like you're saying um, I didn't check technically, but yeah. you know, they only have, they usually have three guys active and I'm sure if Benny Snell were healthy, they would have given the ball to Benny. They've shown the tendency to do that over the season. But I agree with you. Like Edmonds, he's not a rando. He's been on the team for two years. He's hold, he's held on to the ball. He's good enough to rock and roll, but it just shows you two things. Like they, the Steelers yeah. have injured every running back they've had over the past three years by leaving them in in fourth quarters. And whether it's D'Angelo or Le'Veon or Connor, and it also shows you another sad reality, which is that James Connor cannot last a full NFL season. He can barely last half a season. If it's not one thing, it's another, but he misses so many games, man. And it sucks because he's really good and he played great last night and we love him. Yeah. How can you not love him? But the dude cannot go through a full NFL season. And I think that's a big concern. And I know we all like Jalen Samuels, but Jalen Sam, this isn't Chris, this isn't uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram from the saints or anything like that. Like you know, I, I just think that's something to monitor going forward, this running back situation. And actually now is as good a time as ever to mention running back situations because I was having a lot of fun on Twitter today because today, by the time this podcast's out, the NFL trade deadline will have passed already at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. But they just put out a rumor that they are listening to trade offers already for Le'Veon Bell. And I have been trying to see what I can do to get him back in Pittsburgh. I have a 2012 kind of busted Hyundai Elantra. Uh, that's probably the best thing I can do. I have some guitars I would not like to part ways with, but I'll, I'll do one if that'll help. Uh, and uh, I just couldn't help myself knowing that there's a, basically a 1% chance that the Steelers would actually make that trade. But in my mind, you're saying there's a chance and oh my gosh, it was so funny seeing the reaction on Twitter when, when Le'Veon Bell is available, Trevor Sikama for the draft network, he put out a great tweet with a meme of the girl who's kind of looking at the camera inquisitively, like giving you one of those, like mm, one of those saying Le'Veon Bell on the trade block, Antonio Brown's still a free agent Steelers fans like, Mm. And then a pick, and another <laughs> gift with Tomlin with that <laughs> look on his face. Let's get the band back together in time for next year. So he's not he, Le'Veon Bell didn't get traded, but hey, he's gonna get traded next summer. And uh, I don't care what it takes. I know you don't have the salary cap. I know that you don't have the draft capital. I know that you literally already told him that you did not want to pay him the money that this deal pays him. I don't care. I don't pay you to tell me what I can't do. That's right. You get Le'Veon Bell back of the damn Steelers because Le'Veon Bell is a transcendent talent and James Conner, American hero, cannot last a full season. So imagine that one-two punch. Wow. You wouldn't be running Le'Veon into the ground 400 times a game. You'd have a real game breaker to compliment Juju on offense. I mean, this is perfect. What am I doing here talking on a podcast? i got to get on the phone with Colbert. So next week we entertain the Indianapolis Colts finally mm-hmm. a one o'clock game. So one that we can manage and get a podcast out on Monday, followed by what do we have? Three home games in a row. No, two more home games in a row. So Indianapolis right. followed by the Rams. And then we go to the Browns, which to me is just going to be a huge acid test. Totally. 
yeah, the Browns suck. They're in third place in the AFC North, but we know that they're more talented than the Steelers are. Uh, so looking ahead to that, th- that's so interesting. They're obviously going to play the Browns two times in three weeks, but Hey, look, you're playing two very good teams in Indianapolis and the Rams. The Rams record is not as good as they are. They, they are a really good team. And the couple losses they've had have come in the final moments of the game to some really good teams. And also some of them involve some really questionable calls by the referee. So if I'm looking at those two games, you know, the Steelers fairly will not be favored in either one of them. Indianapolis has been excellent. Even without Andrew luck, they've, they've dropped two clunkers to two crappy teams in Oakland and the Los Angeles chargers, but then they beat every good team they play in their schedule. They have the great wall of Indianapolis on that offensive line. They've got some good guys on defense. They're not exactly stacked. And Jacoby Brissett has been playing very well for them at quarterback and the Rams are just a machine. So if I'm looking ahead, you know, I don't know if the Steelers will win either one of these. I would think they'd have a better chance in my mind against Indianapolis just because I worry about a Los Angeles Rams team that has a great offensive mind with Sean McVay. And those are the teams that I really get scared of with Keith Butler and the Steelers because they, like we've said, ad nauseum are easily manipulated by these teams. Jalen Ramsey is going to cover Juju. That's going to make it a little bit tough, but I don't, uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think the Steelers should be ruled out at either one of these games, even though those two teams are su- superior. And well, supposedly, assuming we can vanquish the Colts, I mean, it looks like we would be in at least in the divisional ch- tie with the Ravens who are going to play the Patriots next week. Right. I mean, it would be a, for me, you're looking at the schedule and you can never play. What if, because so many things change, people get injured, you know, Ryan Finton, Andy Dalton's not even playing for the Bengals anymore, but you're looking at the schedule and these are two really tough games. If you could win one of these, I, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to have my dream. Let them. me have my fantasy. Yeah. Right. Well, you never know, but if you could win one of them, that's huge. Cause then it's Browns, Bengals, Browns. You got to beat the Bengals. You got to beat the Browns once. Not at all guaranteed, but could definitely happen. And then you got the Cardinals who are probably the Steelers aren't much better than them, but that's a winnable game that they should win. Even though it's in Arizona, then the bills, that's going to be tough because they have a great defense and the Steelers offense, you know, has some finding to do, but I don't believe in the Bills offense, so that's not unwinnable, but the Bills will be favored. Then the Jets, who are seemingly imploding, that obviously have a lot of storylines with Le'Veon being in that game, and then the Ravens at the end of the year. And as we saw, the Steelers should, they basically beat the Ravens the last time they played them. They should have beat them. If not for a horrible roughing the passer call, and then a, a really nice play by Marlon Humphrey punching out on Juju at the end there. But yeah, there are some winnable games in here, but you can really only take it one one game at a time at this well, point. The Colts are favored by a point, but I, I'm going to change my mind and say the, fu- the future can be predicted by the past because huh, don't Mike, it. <laughs> Mike Tomlin is eight and one in his past nine November games. And we've won five straight of the, against the Colts. This, I, I believe me, I'm aware because the, uh, Ben, the first of the six touchdown back-to-back six touchdown games was against the Colts. And that's one of my top three favorite Steeler games of all time, not counting the playoff and Super Bowl games. And I have that in the back of my mind. Like you better keep this rolling against the Colts. Mason did his job and kept the Steelers color rush undefeated streak going. Now you guys got to keep this Colts streak going. And actually I got to kind of eat my words on what I said before about worrying about a great offensive mind and Sean McVay for the Rams, because Frank Reich is, 
is a fran- fantastic offensive mind for the Colts. And we're finding out that, you know, he was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles during their Super Bowl run. And we're finding out that he might've had a bigger piece of that pie, or he might've been a bigger piece of that pie than Doug Peterson, the head coach, because that Philadelphia Eagles offense is kind of floundering and Indianapolis offense is flourishing. Even when their hall of fame quarterback retires, well, hall of fame caliber quarterback retires a couple of weeks before the season. So these are both going to be really good tests, but uh, building off of the momentum of getting a big nighttime win at Heinz and then getting the play. These both at Heinz is a big deal. So let's see if Mason can step into a few more of those throws and put the ball in front of his receivers and make some big plays. All I can say is that I'm happy that we're not going into this week wondering if the Steelers will even throw the ball downfield and wondering if they're going to run a primarily wildcat based offense. I feel better going about this, even if it took a punching bag to kind of get it going for the Steelers. One last little bit of positivity. This is only the 14th time that the Steelers have been underdogs at home under Tomlin. In those previous 13 games, the Steelers have gone eight, four, and one. Love it. So, hey, drop us a note. As you heard from Nick, we're, we're very busy on Twitter, and we want to hear from you. At Steelers Outpost, leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. 
Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.